Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, I'm Julie Voris, and I want to see you in Indiana on February 25th, 2017. I'm bringing Sean T. back to Indianapolis because it's more than just a workout. It's more than just motivation. It's an experience, and you need to be in the room. Go to julievoris.com for tickets. Join us on February 25th at the JW Marriott downtown Indianapolis for an experience that could just change your life. Be in the room, feel the energy, and open your heart to the possibility. It's more than just exercise, it's life. And on February 25th, it's an experience and you need to be there. See you in Indiana on February 25th. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's time for another episode of Trust and Believe with Sean T. Hello. Craig. How are you, Sean? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Excited to be talking to you. I'm excited to be talking to you. First of all, I want to say that I love following you on Snapchat because... (laughs) Well, for mo- for many reasons. Number one, I just I love your personality. I think it's so funny. Um, I like that you work out almost every day and that you torture your friends through the workouts like I do. And and last but not least, you know, I have to be honest. I really love your accent. And <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It turns out. Um Growing up as a kid in Scotland, I thought I had one of the worst accents, but since moving away from Scotland, a lot of people are really into it. So yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's good to good to hear it serving me well. <laughs> I know, it's funny because everyone, I mean, you know, wherever you're from, you, I mean, I don't hear my accent, but then obviously listening to someone from another country, it's really awesome. But anyway, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and it's afternoon for you, so it is, your yeah. afternoon. Um so I have to tell you, I was just really intrigued. Um, you know, I've messaged you on Snapchat a couple times, and then I checked you out on Twitter, and I was really, I was really intrigued about the fact that you were a chemist because I used to work at um, one of my very first jobs out of uh, college was or university, as some people call it. Was I worked at a pharmaceutical company, but I actually trained the scientists and chemists and you know, salespeople. So, and I never got a chance to really dive into what they do. That was kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. I mean, you make the drugs and we can get into that a little bit, but I think it's more about, you know, also with 
trying to stay motivated while you're, you know, what I consider a high stress job. So tell me about exactly, you know, what you do of what you've done and then we can go from there. Sure. So, yeah, it's kind of it's an easy place to start. I went to went to university and did a degree in chemistry and then kind of specialized. I guess you guys call it major in, in medicinal chemistry. Like when I started that degree, I thought this is amazing. I could be the the person who makes like the next paracetamols or the next chemotherapies or the next cure to any number of things and it just totally blew me away and I thought right that's it this is this is me for the rest of my days and um, I finished my degree I managed to get the, the quality degree that I needed to to enter a PhD and I found someone with some funding as we just discussed and he was like sure come on come on and work for me um, and I did this uh, PhD and medicinal chemistry and drug design and the whole aim of it was to try and design a compound which could mimic a naturally occurring compound in your body and some diseases come around by the fact that you have a lack of this this compound um and it ultimately leads to really high blood pressure um so speaking of high high stress jobs that's probably quite an interesting link yeah um so yeah, so I did this, and then that was my uh, the next five years. I would say just getting through this PhD, and you know, when you talk about stress, that's that's probably I would say one of professionally speaking the most stressful times of my life. You have this sustained work ethic, which which serves you well later on in life, but at the time really does take a lot out of you. You know, you're doing twelve to fourteen hour days, six six and a half days a week. It's just really what's what's expected of you to get through some this kind of like high functioning, really highly intelligent, fiercely competitive field. So, um, yeah, that, that was my PhD and then went on and did a, a year's postdoc. Um, and it was a kind of slight twist, but still medicinal chemistry, still that drug design aspect. And we did um, anti-parasitic compounds. So that was pretty cool. That felt really good because what you're doing is you're taking a really neglected disease that, you know, many big pharmaceutical companies just can't make a profit on and they don't really want to do the research in it. And, you know, you're talking about things like malaria or African sleeping sickness and things like that. And, and you could be making a small difference to potentially a big campaign that could save hundreds, if not millions and millions of lives. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, that was that was the next year. And then after a little bit of uh, job hunting and whatnot, I found myself over in Northern Ireland um, working for a company that is like a kind of contract organization. So big pharmaceutical companies say, hey, we would like you to make a specified quantity of this compound um, and we want you to make it to such a standard that it can go into human beings who are very sick and they'll be on the market now go and do it um so as for for like what this job has given me and, and, and talking about keeping yourself motivated and happy in your job the last thing we put out was um a compound for a company that image cancer in, in children um it's a really niche type of cancer as well so at the end of at the end of 2016 i got to take stock of things and look at look at what i've done and i i like to think that in some small way i'm kind of taking part in the fight against cancer so it's, it's like a really really rewarding job is it's obviously has its downsides and takes a lot of time and effort but at the end of the day you get to take stock of things like that and go yeah, yeah, this is, this is brilliant. I'm making a difference to people's lives. How much yeah. time does it take from the original conversation of talking about, you know, designing uh, a, a drug or a medicine to the time where it's actually 
you know, released to the pharmacy where or doctors where they're able mm-hmm. to prescribe it to their patients? Yeah, so anywhere between 10 to 25 years. It's probably these days closer to the 15-year mark, but wow. it really depends on how how interested and how invested the, these massive, massive companies get, get in, in, the, in the whole project. So you can have things that don't come to market until, you know, 25-plus years. Um, it's, it's people's whole careers and whole lifetimes, multiple, multiple people's careers and lifetimes spent working on something that hopefully maybe will one day possibly come to market so yes so people for a lot of risk yeah i was gonna say so you could literally be on a team to design a drug and not even possibly not even be at the company when it gets released or even if it gets released absolutely yeah yeah or even worse still you could spend 20 years working on something thinking you're going to get to it having these billions of dollars spent on the the, comp- the compound and then it fails at the last stage and you know that's your life's work you know i talk a lot about you know trust and believe and, and a lot of people talk about their journey and they and they always look for they have that goal they have that that moment where they want to lose or they want to reach that moment where they lose, you know, 50 pounds. And I, you know, I like to tell people, you know, take your time. It's a journey. You know, it's not a destination. And you seem to be in a career where you're really focused on the moment, almost like passing a baton off to the next person. How do you stay motivated not knowing the end game? Um, oh, good question. Um, I think I think you have to hope that what you're doing is is going to get you to the goal that you're, you've set. Um, you you have such a kind of obvious series of goals to achieve, and your like path, if you like, towards that final aim, that final goal of like getting a drug to market and hopefully saving people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that you focus on the baby steps and that mirrors entirely with how you would with a fitness journey you've got little plans little milestones to hit along the way and then you can assess how things are going do I need to maybe change something do I need to think about what we're doing here is this actually not as applicable as we thought it was earlier so my question to you is do you evaluate your successful moments I've talked a lot this year about trying to find a successful moment every single day so that you can build success and so that success can be tangible and then you can go back to success and realize that you do have success. It's in you, it's a part of you, and it's tangible. But do you evaluate your success? Do you just say, wow, I lost 30 pounds and then you move on? Or do you really evaluate it and say, let me go revisit this and figure out and really dissect how I actually did this? Because I promise you, if you go back and you evaluate every single step along the way, especially when it pertains to your successful moments, you will find joy in the fact that you are doing something to really propel you forward. It's not just about the end goal. It's about how you get to the end goal and how you actually connect to who you are along the way. So from this point forward, the goal is not to just move through the moments and move through the journey hoping that you get toward the end. 
but move through the moments and move through the journey, connecting to the steps so that you will constantly connect to who you are. And when you connect to who you are, that's how you'll trust and believe in who you are. Fitness journey as well as as um, doing drug discoveries, you learn things along the way, and that informs what your next step is. Um, so, and I guess in, in many ways, it really is still about the journey. It is real like paying attention to the fine details that occur along the way. Otherwise, you're kind of going to blink and miss it. Um, maybe not in 25 years, blink and miss it, but, but you know, relatively speaking. Um, with with regards to the final goal, um, there's an interesting I think at least story of, of a really really well known compound um, everyone knows about Viagra it hit the market in, in the 90s and everyone was like wow this is really interesting and it changed obviously so many people's lives but right. that drug that drug started started off as, as a, an anti-hypertension drug so really hoping to lower people's blood pressure and it made it right the way through to the clinic um, and uh, only at the very last stage did someone pull the nurse over and say by the way, I'm having this, we'll call it a side effect. Um, <laughs> and uh, it made it a very large way through and an awful lot of money was invested. And obviously the people at this pharmaceutical company had to sit around and go, we're going to have to can this entire project. It was an almost a complete miss, but sometimes you can just make the most of what you have. And in this case, it turned out to, to be a multi-billion dollar drug so so yeah you never know where you're going to end but the, the journey is important and if you pay attention you might find yourself somewhere you wholly didn't expect in the end i'll have more chemist questions for you later but i actually wanted to know how you came about to your fitness journey because we connected through snapchat and what i love to do is you know message what i like to call my fit fam some people call them sure. fans i call them my fit fam and you know, I follow you. I think you're really you have great personality, and you're staying committed to your fitness journey. So, how did you find? I should say, how did you find me? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly it. The the first step of my fitness journey was was insanity. So, um, how did I find it? I was at the end of my time in university and was just so overweight and really unhappy with the. The way I looked and the way I felt and how all that affected my mood and I just thought, right, I'm going to have to do something. And and so often is the case that when you are unfit and unhealthy, you start to have trouble sleeping. And uh, we have these infomercials over here for insanity and it was maybe about two, three in the morning and I was sitting watching TV going, why can't I get to sleep? And boom, up it popped on the TV screen. It was like something along the lines of, do you want to get flat, firm, sexy abs like these? And I just remember a light bulb going off just saying, yeah, I do. I want that. <laughs> That's where I want to go. Um, so I was like, I work in kilos. So I was like 106 kilos. It's like, I can't even tell you what that is in pounds. 200 plus anyway. Um and it wasn't the good, like, 200-plus pounds. It was the flabby, out of shape, really not looking good. Um, so I'd, I knew someone who I worked with who had done this before, and I said, right, I'm going to take, as I do with everything in my life, a really sceptical approach to this. And I went and I asked him, and I said, does this does this work? You know, am <laughs> I just going to spend all this money and get no results and just be even more unhappy? And he was like, no, no, this, this worked pretty well for me. Give it a go. So I went for it and I did that kind of like commit to it, give it absolutely everything I have and 
the package arrived through the mail and I read the nutrition plan and said, right, this is it. This is exactly what I'm going to do. And I just went 100% for the for the, the program. And, and I, like at the end of, I took a little bit longer. At the end of three months of doing Insanity, I dropped like 20% of my body weight. So I wow. lost 20 kilos and it was it was a huge difference. And people, like I'd moved over to Belfast by this point and um, I went back to visit my dad and my sister and my brother and, and they were like, wow, you're a completely different person. I remember one of my friends actually said something like, you're half the man you were when you left. And it was like, not in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was amazing. And, and from there, I just, I just kind of kept on setting new goals. So... In between, I've done uh, I've done a marathon, and uh, I also broke my leg, so I used it as a bit of recovery. Um, did a lot of the stretches, a lot of a lot of the I would say the kind of like yoga type movements that they're in Insanity, and then at the well, the middle of this year, I picked up Asylum and just went for Asylum as well. So I've done Asylum Volume One, and then the the hybrids, and I'm currently now transitioning into again marathon training and you know hopefully by the end of this year i'll have run an ultra marathon so it's it's funny the overweight insomniac craig sitting sitting up and at three in the morning watching tv and cut to three years later and i'm having these audacious plans to run an ultra marathon and, and it all started with insanity how many kilograms were you I was 106, so, and I finished Insanity on 84. Yeah, so 106 kilograms is 233 pounds, and losing 20 kilograms, is you lost 44 pounds. You definitely lost half of your, like a lot of your body. And, you know, what I, what I wanted to ask is, you know, you said something which is very interesting, um, how you actually went about losing the weight. Because some people go out really hard, um, some people get discouraged really fast, but it seems as though you treated this journey exactly how you treat the way you actually make the drugs and and in your chemistry work. So, talk me through your process on you know some of the mental things that went through your mind as you were going through your journey. Yeah, sure. So, I think it's it's almost a, it's almost a cliche, but it's so true. Like scientists follow the scientific method and I do it in my life as well so I have this like idea of what I want to do and then I test it and and, I, and when it came to fitness I didn't try to disprove it but I wanted to see what happened so the program is fairly well established and it, and it seems to have great great results so the only way to re- really assess it is to stick to it so you stick to it with the kind of rigor that you would with any kind of job any kind of profession you want to you want to do it to the letter so i start off just everything i do especially when it comes to professional life i just stay so detail oriented and so rigorous that i'm doing everything planning it out in the day i'm going to have this meal i'm going to eat it this time and then i'm going to have that then i'm going to work out then i'm going to have this protein shake and then i'm going to finish off with that meal and that hits x calories and these macros and you know, I'll have, I'll have felt good and I'll have achieved my goal for the day and just take it one day at a time. So this might be weird. However, I want you to play devil's advocate. I want you to test yourself and play devil's advocate. And actually, you should do that in everything that you do. If someone tells you, hey, try this workout, don't just go into the workout saying this is going to work for you, even though obviously I want you to go in thinking positive, but go into it 
and test yourself and try to disprove this isn't going to work. And when you actually go into something trying to prove that it isn't going to work, you're more apt to give it everything you've got so that you can really, at the end of the test, know if it really works. Does that make sense? So, next time you do your 60 days of insanity or next time you do whatever workout program it is that you're going to do, do it to the 10th degree. Work hard in your fitness. Work hard in your nutrition. Do Follow it to a T and beyond. Because if you follow it to a T and beyond, then you can really say at the end of this, I gave it everything I got. And what you will find out is whether the program itself works or not, you did the work. And if you go into some situation saying, I'm going to give it everything I got purely because I want to know to the 100% capacity if this is going to work and if this is going to get me where I want it to be, it becomes more than just a test. It becomes more than just playing devil's advocate. What it becomes is you giving 100%. I think when you start a fitness program, you should try to disprove it because, (laughs) but think about it. If you go in you know, questioning like, you know, does this work or because I think that's what you have to do in the laboratory, right? You have to you and some and times you have to try to be the opposing. You have to try to play devil's advocate for the for the for the chemicals that you're putting together to see if there's anything that's going to, you know, make it not work am i i mean i'm not a scientist so i don't have the correct scientific terms yeah i think the way i would describe it is you need to go at everything with a kind of critical eye you need to say like i'm i'm going to make sure that what i do is is not biasing it towards the favor like i'm I'm not going to try and make it look so much better than it is so a good indicator of of how your progress is going is with your uh, your photos every two weeks and the first thing I thought was, if I do a relaxed photo, I'm going to see my stomach hanging out. And then by the end, if I tense up, that's going to be an unnatural change in my yes. body shape. So the first thing you do is you tense up and you give your best pose in your first photo. And then at the end, you give your best pose again. And then you've got a great comparison, that apples with apples comparison. So, so I like how you said that. I actually like how you said that because there are times where you know it's like relax relax because even if i relax i mean i have a pretty good core but if i relax and it's like 10 o'clock at night after i've you know drank all my water you know it could look like i have a little you know a little extra belly or whatever i don't believe that for a second i know you don't i'll send you a photo so you can see but (laughs) but the thing is if you i I like how you said you have to go at it you know non-biased so you know because I, I I believe that that makes you work so much harder, but it makes you work harder in a way that's more focused. Yeah, yeah, and more truthful, more truthful to what it is you're trying to achieve as well. It's not like you're trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. You're saying, you know, I I, I want to make sure that the results I get from this are are the real deal. And then when I go and tell my friends about it, and I challenge my friends to do this, they're going to look at me and go, "Yeah, sure, fair enough, that this works." And so. So, um, tell me about your day in a sense, because there are, um, you know, there's obviously millions and millions of different careers and some people work from home. Some people work, you know, they have to sit at a desk because they're, 
you know, their profession is to either type or manage from a computer. For me, I feel like I'm lucky enough to be able to move all day. And some people are like that. I don't consider that lucky because I'm always tired. Tell me what it's like being in the laboratory and then having to leave. Like, what if you got home and you're like, oh, goodness, I don't feel like working out. How do you get past that barrier? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So that really depends on what day it is. <laughs> um, when I'm when I'm on a, a day shift, it means I've come off of like a week of nights, and I feel like I'm based in somewhere in like the east coast of of America. My body clock's really <laughs> weird, and I actually build into my week a day, which is a Wednesday for me, where I have an optional workout, and that means if I'm really tired and I'm so shattered, and you know my body's telling me that I can't get through this, then I think it's important to listen, and and. Times on that Wednesday, I've come home and sat down at six o'clock, and I've gone. I'm too tired, and I've gone to bed, and I've slept from six right the way through to half five the next day, um, which seems like an odd thing, but it's it's obviously my body's way of telling me you're too tired to work out. Don't burn yourself out, and and then the rest of the week, you know, you can carry on. It's like Thursday would normally be your recovery day, but you've had it on Wednesday, so change your workout on Thursday and kind of catch up, and a little bit of flexibility goes a long way, and. I don't know about other people, but for me, I tend to find that, you know, listening to myself and feeling if I'm really tired, it means my mood's about to drop. So if I can get in there first and allow myself that little day to maybe take it off and then maybe like work it back later, um, I'm going to feel happy and I'm going to feel motivated and it's going to be much, much easier to stick to the plan. And um, Like I say, I don't know about other people, but that, that works really very well for me. I mean, I love how connected you are to yourself and to the journey and the things that are actually, you know, working for you. And, you know, I love the fact that you don't necessarily beat yourself up if you're tired or you can't work out. And you actually put it in a place that is, you know, it, it, it's you're telling yourself, this is what my body is telling me. And and I say that because there are so many times where I hear people, they feel unmotivated or they feel sluggish and they kind of beat up on themselves for not finishing that workout or for not pushing play that day. And you should not necessarily beat yourself up. You have to really kind of monitor and think about, am I being lazy? Did I not eat enough? Or is my body telling me I'm tired? And it really, it's, it's really cool to hear that you actually have those conversations with yourself. I have a question about supplements because, sure. you know, we, you know, at Beachbody, we sell supplements. Um, people take supplements and they use supplements to enhance their workouts or build their muscles or whatever the case may be. So this is kind of a two-part question. Number one, if you take a supplements, do you look at the ingredients and are you able to actually know what those ingredients are doing or is that completely outside of your realm of knowledge in terms of science uh yeah so 
first part of that question is do I take supplements, I guess? And the answer is certainly yes, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, for me, there's I try and keep it as lightweight as possible. Um, so I take protein powder. I use uh, I use protein powder as, as a supplement. Um, if I feel like I'm not getting enough protein in my diet, um, as much as I like to get it from my diet first, it's not always feasible. Um, so I would say I'd have one to two protein shakes a day. Um, and and that's, that's easy science to... For, for, for a chemist anyway to get your head around because it's protein breaks down to amino acids in your body and then the amino acids are what you use as your building blocks if you like for muscle and um, if, if you're working too hard and you're not giving your body enough protein you're going to break down muscle fiber in your body and not rebuild it so it's that I think it's called catabolysis yep. um, and that's that's a process that I think most chemists would really relatively easily be able to wrap their head around Um other supplements I take, well, I take a multivitamin um, just because the reading I have done completely outside of my chemistry degree says that endurance athletes or people who, who go for really long workouts or work out an awful lot run the risk of like running mildly low on certain uh, we'll call it vitamins or micronutrients. Um, and it's I think it does almost no harm to have too much to an extent, um, of, of those vitamins. So if you have a multivitamin, if your body doesn't need that specific uh, vitamin, it's just going to pass through you. So you're almost not doing any harm other than buying the vitamin, and that's fine. Um, the other thing I do uh, have done an awful lot of reading about recently was, was uh, creatine. And I think that probably, for me right now, isn't an appropriate supplement um, because it's, I think, for muscle growth and for specifically something called ATP, which yeah. is like a power... Uh, that, that kind of like energy source like that quick real 10 seconds worth of energy source yes um, and, and, and the the reading I have done is suggesting that creatine is a really good supplement for, for that so for like people who do bodybuilding or powerlifting and things like that um, for endurance athletes less so less so um, so I'm, I'm not at the moment taking creatine but but it's, it's a really well studied and I'd say really well respected supplement as for everything else I think like any anyone with a critical eye not necessarily just a scientist you just need to do as much reading as you can about these things and don't just take something and because someone in the gym told you you should be taking this read and understand what it is you're taking because um you have to know what it is you're you're potentially putting in your body before you put it in there i agree 100 percent. okay so i have one more question for you so you're a chemist scientist you make drugs what do you say to yep. people who are totally against them because i know people who are like i'm not taking advil i'm not taking you know anti-inflammatory i'm talking about just simple over-the-counter drugs or they really try to go the homeopathic way because they want to keep their body you know clean and this is not for you to change their mind it's just that what do you think about homeopathic you know way of life yeah, so um, if you if you Google Craig McInnes and the word the gist, uh, you'll find uh, an article that I wrote um, when I was working in a magazine um, about homeopathy very specifically. Um, the thing that a lot of people don't understand about homeopathy is that there's no active ingredient left in the, the treatment, if you like, in inverted commas. Um, it's about diluting something to such a degree that there would be one molecule in a size of space bigger than the solar system. Oh. So 
for me, I, I, don't, I think all you're taking is water or a sugar tablet, and, and I would, my opinion um, is to not waste your money on homeopathy. That being said, my family members, my, my dad's wife is, is a nurse, and she's a big believer in it. And I understand what you said, and you're saying it's not for me to change their mind. It is definitely a controversial issue, but the science is overwhelmingly against homeopathy being a, an effective um, effective remedy for anything. Um, I think, and this is my personal opinion and not necessarily a scientific one, um, that people who take homeopathic remedies or go to homeopathy-based hospitals, they're, they're benefiting from potentially the placebo effect and getting time to sit and talk to a health professional and you know, a lot of things are... Are, are influenced by like little subtle factors like that. Um, if anyone wants to do any more reading upon that, I would, I would look up two things. One would be the nocebo effect, and the second one would be the placebo effect. And, and I think I think you'll find pretty strong evidence to, to dissuade you from taking um, homeopathic remedies. Um, the second part of that, I guess, is people who do or don't want to take paracetamols or is it Advil? You guys call it? We call it ibuprofen over here. Yeah, same thing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so like those anti-inflammatories, well, there is a, an overwhelming breadth of evidence to suggest that when used properly, they, they have benefits and, and real solid clinical benefits. So um, if you are sore and you're suffering from inflammation from, say, training or, or, or whatever, and you take an Advil, then that's as long as you're not abusing those drugs, then that's that's a perfectly sensible thing to do. Again, sim- also, if someone's saying, I don't want to do this, and they'd rather take a cold bath, then that's fine. You know, you, you kind of just, you do you. And if, if, if you feel like something's not working, then always speak to your GP or your, your physician. That's, that's definitely the way to go. There's also the speculation or, you know, the controversial issue of pharmaceuticals really just being about the money. And, you know, some people are like, well, that drug is taking a long time to get done because they're trying to make more money from it. And, you know, it's not really about the patient. And so what do you have to say in response to people who are um, just so focused on thinking that drugs are about the money and not really about the human experience and healing? Yeah. So that is that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I guess the, the first thing, the kind of extreme end of that opinion would be people saying that you know, pharmaceutical companies have the cure for cancer or whatever, and um, they're holding it back because it's better to treat it than it is to cure it. Um, you know, my experience from inside that in- industry is that that's definitely not the case. If, if a company has the, the cure for cancer, they will get that out to the market as quickly as humanly possible um, because, because there is a lot of money involved in that, and that would be... a you know, a life-changing, world-view-changing uh, thing to, to, to put out there and have your name associated with that would be tremendous. Um, that being said, um, pharmaceutical companies are businesses and, and they have to make a profit and they have, you know, these people at the, the heights of their boardrooms and CEOs, they have so many people to answer to and it's obviously a very high-pressure environment that, you know, making money is their number one priority. From there on out, like, you have obviously whole departments of pharmaceutical companies that are invested in making sure people think well of them. And I think that's the same for every business. Nobody wants to run a business and think they're the, the evil empire. I think I think you want to be able to take pride in what it is you do. And if what you do is make drugs and medicines and uh, any slew of things to help people, 
you want people to think of that first as opposed to they're doing X, Y, and Z that, that may not even necessarily be true, but, but it has this kind of nefarious feel to it. Um, it's, it's very, very tempting to fall into like a kind of conspiracy theory of they're holding back the cure for disease X. Um, I, I don't think it's true, certainly. Um, I, you see it from inside and most big companies are big machines. They're filled with human beings and most of those human beings get into those companies with the grandiose aim of, of helping people with their quality of life and, and potentially curing diseases and I don't think anyone would sit on the answer at least from my perspective I don't think anyone would sit on the answer to cure any disease. Yeah and it's um it's you know I'm just going to keep it very real here growing up and with the entire AIDS epidemic and you know at least in its inception it was more you know, at before years ago, it was just like only you know homosexual men could catch this disease, and then now they have um, they have a medicine called PrEP, which is uh, apparently supposed. I, I don't take it, but apparently it's supposed to keep you from getting you know HIV, being HIV positive and infected. And you know, some people are like, well, if they have a um, a drug called PrEP that stops you from, you know, getting the virus, then they definitely have a cure. So it was, it was pretty interesting. And I think a little bit comforting to hear you say, if they have a cure for something, they're not going to sit on it. Um, because that's always, um, do you know if, if in, I guess in Europe, if, if PrEP is a, have you heard of it? I should ask you that first. Yeah, no, I haven't actually. Um, what I have heard is, I think it was maybe about four or five years ago or something like that, someone had, um, there was a news article um, talking about how they had managed to treat um, HIV to a point where the virus dropped below detectable levels so that it would look essentially as if um, the person was HIV negative. Um, and, and what happened when they stopped people on that treatment was the virus started to come back and it started to increase the detectable levels. That's the only piece of, um, of fairly recent um, research I have heard on it. Um, I know there are drugs that they give to nurses if, for example, they get stuck with a needle, um, and I think they're antiretrovirals, but as for the specifics of it, yeah, I'm kind of I'm out of my depth on that one. First of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your time. It is, I mean... I really enjoyed this. I learned a lot. And while I have you here, I have two things left I want to do. Number one is I always do a speed round on my podcast, which is I ask you some fun questions so the listeners can get to know you a little better. But since we connected on Snapchat, I would like to give you the opportunity to ask me questions because I know if you're slaving through insanity in asylum or whatever program you're doing of mine, you probably say a lot of stuff to me and you, you're probably like, I want to ask Sean why he did that or whatever the case may be. So if you have any questions for me, I want to say shoot. Cool. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for one big question as opposed to loads of multiple <laughs> okay. ones. And I want to know what your aim for 2017 is. Oh, this is great. My aim for 2017. Well, is this just, is this an open-ended question or is this specifically pertaining to fitness? One personal and one professional. Cool. So I'll go with professional first. Uh, professionally, you know, I have a book coming out at the end of, in the fourth quarter of 2017, which I'm really excited about. And yeah, me too. yeah thanks. Thanks. Um, and 
you know, this year for me is the year of transformation because, I mean, you know, the New Year's resolution thing is really amazing. I think it's a great way for people to get motivated to start their fitness journey or whatever journey it is. It could be I want to make my way into a new job or a new relationship or, you know, whatever the case may be. They want to do something and make a change. And so for me, it's been really exciting to see people change over the last you know, 20 years that I've been in this business. But for me, I want people to learn how to transform their life and to constantly build a force field of positivity and goodness around them. You may have heard me say before, you know, I believe you're the nucleus of your existence. And you just... You know, what happens is sometimes we are that. We are the son of our own personal solar system. But we, instead of guiding the planets around us, we let everything else guide who we are. And I want people to understand that as you move throughout your life and as you move throughout your life and your day and even those intricate moments of whatever journey you're on, that you have the power to constantly make a change and to constantly change what's happening around you so that you can stay in, you know, an optimal place. Now, I understand that it's not going to happen every single time. And I understand that it's going to be a challenge. But being mindful, you know, it's kind of just being mindful. It's just like you when you get home from work and you have your drink and then you're going to work out and you're connected to the moments of, Am I tired? Am I being, you know, lazy? It's kind of like that. I want people to constantly do that. And also, what's more important, because I think what impacts us most is the people around us. And, Absolutely. You know, you know, my book is going to be a self-help memoir. So I'm going to actually, you know, give you story of my life, but it's not going to stop there. It's also going to help and quiz you on what's happening in your life so you can stay connected to self. So that is um, the year transformation is my professional goal for 2017. And then um, my personal goal, which is really interesting, and I hope Scott doesn't kill me for saying this, but I'm going to anyway. (laughs) You know, my goal is for us to, you know, have kids. That is my personal goal. I mean, our personal goal. Um, It is just like the biggest dream of mine and I you know I didn't I didn't have a I had a father figure I had a stepfather growing up which was oh, you'll read about the experience of that but um you know I want to be I want to I want to bring humans into this world and and hopefully be an amazing dad um with Scott and 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 furthermore to help you know hopefully <laughs> bring more positivity into the world so and I just love the idea of family and I love the idea of having kids. And, you know, I, I someone asked me a few months back, you know, what is you what do you want to do? What do you want to be in 10 years? And I'm like, I want to be a stay at home dad. You know. <laughs> now, here we go. We're going into the speed round. This is one of um, the funnest things for me because I get to know you a little bit more intimately. So here are the rules you get. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and you only have five seconds to answer them. And if you don't answer them within five seconds, you'll hear the buzzer sound and that's from my mouth. I'm going to go, "Eh," and then you can't answer the question. All right, here we go. So question number one, vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Yes. Oh, yes. Me and you. Okay. We're similarly there. Question number two, do you unite your shoes when you take them off? 
unite my shoes? Yeah, as in put them next to each other. <laughs> Certainly, I have a row of shoes next to next to a table in my hall. Awesome. Um, cool. 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 Uh, question number three: If you were a crayon, what color would you be? Oh, damn! Uh, <laughs> yellow. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how. Okay, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think the yellow crayon in my set of crayons when I was a kid was always the one that was like down to a little nub. Um, so for some reason, maybe in some like subconscious level, it's there getting used as a favorite. So I'll go with that. That's really cool. I like that. Okay, question number four: Mountain hideaway or beach house? Oh, beach house. Yeah. Okay. Question number five: Favorite. Football, meaning your kind of football, soccer team. Oh, oh, I can't answer that because I don't follow soccer, um, but ice hockey. So, Brayhead uh, <laughs> Clan. I'll change the question. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's good to know. I like that. I like that. Okay. The question number six: What was the last country you visited? France. Cool. Very cool. Okay. Question number seven: uh, Chemistry or biology? Uh, chemistry because it's my true true love but there is an interface between the two called chemical biology which is endlessly fascinating i love 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 biology and i love i actually love physics so i i never i didn't say this to you before you know in the beginning but science is my i just it was my favorite subject ever but um for some reason, I didn't want to major in it because I was like, this would be too stressful. But I did um, do exercise science. So, hey, it's the same thing. It's all science. It's all science. Okay, question number eight. What was your first pet? Uh, I had a cat called Minty um, who stayed with me until I was 21 years old. Oh, that's cute. All right, question number nine. What are three words to describe living in Belfast in just three words? Rainy... Uh, crack and uh, positivity. What's crack and mean? Crack is not the crack that you would think of. <laughs> uh, crack is spelled C R E I C, and that just means like banter or chat or like someone always having a laugh with you. So good crack. So if you go up to someone in Belfast and say, "What's the crack?" It's like saying, "Hey, how are you?" Oh, that's cool. I like that. I need to come there now. Now that I know you, I think I'm about to make it there. Okay. Question number 10. What is the one thing everyone should be reading about or following right now? I would. I would read uh, Brian Cox's books. Um, You spoke about physics just really briefly there. And for me, my science passion outside of chemistry is is just that. And and the specific thing you should be reading about, um, which Brian Cox talks about a lot, is quantum mechanics. Because it's so, so fascinating. Okay, question number 11. This is your final question. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Yep. Tell us the best advice you've ever been given. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And this would be my dad and he said um, wake up every day and ask yourself the question what am I going to do today to make my life a little better that is amazing Craig man thank you so much for your time I, I, I went over schedule a little bit but the extra 20 minutes was worth it to me <laughs> brilliant me too me too had an absolute blast yeah thank you so stay in touch we'll i'll still be following you on snapchat and um Likewise. still be messaging you and hopefully when uh one day i'll be able to get to belfast and um we can work out together that would be the absolute dream <laughs> thanks very much sean Ladies and gentlemen, this was so fun for me on so many different levels. Number one, because Craig is a FitFam member and following him on Snapchat and him following me on Snapchat and being able to connect with him was just incredible. I actually felt like I was speaking to a lot of you as we found out a lot about, you know, what he does and how he gets motivated through his workouts every day and how he gets motivated when he doesn't feel like working out and staying connected to self. He said some really amazing things and I want you to know that no matter what career you're in or no matter what kind of stress and struggles you're going under, there are a lot of people out there that can help you out. And for some people, it could be mental health. For some people, it could be physical health. And we talked a lot about medicines today. And whether you're a homeopathic believer or a traditional medicine believer, what I want you to do is know what you're doing, what you're getting into, ask a lot of questions, as you should, even in the fitness industry. You heard Craig say it. I'm not just going to take a supplement just because some guy or gal at the gym told me to take it. You have to do the research. And another thing that Craig said that was so profound to me is make sure you understand before you move on. And that's what you should take in your fitness journey and your mental health journey. In fitness, that's why I say form is so important. Don't try to rush through the exercise without doing the right form because you won't get the max benefit of that particular exercise and in life don't skip past a conversation that you need to have with someone don't skip past a step in order to get the the project done at work much faster make sure you take time to be very diligent and specific in what you're doing and going back to what bill said a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago is be consciously competent make sure you know what you're doing and stick to it and commit to it and if you do that you know what i'm going to say you will always trust and believe in who you are I want to give a huge shout out to Todd Midget, a.k.a. NC Fit Club, Alex Colorado, my lovely production manager. They do a great job with loving up on the podcast and making sure that it gets out to you so that we can all stay motivated and relevant. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome.